in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my f***ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f***ing ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother Rip them touching suckers like the f***ing players. Dak Prescott will get another MRI, but the real fun here is the Cowboys and the way they announced this with a tweet saying, it's not a setback and it's not a reason to worry, but Dak Prescott is planning on getting another MRI. He did throw on Tuesday. He said yesterday he was planning to practice on Monday and go through some drills. So I kind of maybe sort of believe the Cowboys, but at the same time, your quarterback's getting an MRI and you're telling everybody not to worry when yeah, you should probably be worried a little bit. You think Jira was standing right next to the social media <laughs> coordinator dictating that tweet? Okay, it's not a setback. It's not reason for worry. Like, I'm imagining who came up with that idea and who approved that one. That's That one's pretty special. <laughs> like, it's such a... Just the tone of the tweet. I don't even know how they got to that tone of the tweet. Like a, okay, make sure you're sitting down. I have some news for you. But it's not bad news. But make sure you're sitting down because it's horrifying. All right, like... Dak's going to be fine for the first game, right? At the end of the day, the Cowboys are fine. Like, we shouldn't be worrying about it. Of course we should be worrying about it. Stop it. Has anyone ever come to you with a piece of bad news, couched it with two qualifying statements, and not then had it be really bad? Right? Hey, 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 I just want you to know, hey, it's not a setback. Hey, don't worry. Hey, but by the way, uh, yeah, your your dog got hit by a car. <laughs> your mom like, and I are getting divorced. Well, yeah, that that could yeah, that is that's a setback of its own kind. Uh the Cowboys and Dak Prescott have reason for worry because of this. Um, you need to see Dak Prescott on the field at some point more than other players. I know that they're not going to rush any of their starters through the preseason, but at the same time, Dak Prescott has been off the field for a very long time at this point, and they need to get him back into at least something that looks like a game situation sooner than later to feel confident about week one. So I don't know about you, Tyler, but to me, it's slightly more worrying than Darren Waller. I don't care about him. Next question. The Yankees and White Sox will play at the Field of Dreams, or at least sort of a fake version close to the Field of Dreams. Uh, Adam, if this were not like a pandemic year, would you travel to Iowa to watch this game? Not unless it were the actual Field of Dreams. Not some poor replica. Like, I want to be on the actual movie set. I want to be where J James Earl Jones turned baseball into two words. Baseball. Like, that's my favorite part of that whole movie. Yes, I would be there. I would be there. But this version of it, where I'm going to have to pay, and I believe on the resale market, the tickets are now upwards of $1,000 just on the get-in price? No, nah, I don't think so. What, how many seats are there? I don't. I, it's, I mean, ask Kevin Costner. I mean, I, just, I, just like, looking at the picture, it's it's like got to be less than ten thousand. You have to assume that most of these seats went to corporate partners and you know MLB and Pepsi and all the rest. Like, 
yes, in if they were to do it at the actual movie set as opposed to some replica they built, then sure, I'd be there. But it kind of reminds me of you know saying that you're going to Yankee Stadium, and yet the real Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium, is a park that's next door to the place they opened in 2009. So this so this field is in uh, Dyersville, Iowa. Where are these people staying? These baseball teams. I have no idea, but here's the best travel story that I've seen about this game. Uh, Brian Hoke, who covers the Yankees for MLB.com, had his flight canceled uh, from <laughs> New York. And late, late last night, tweeted out that it was just less than 1,000 miles to drive from, uh, from New York to Dyersville, Iowa. And got in the car oh, oh, God. and oh. drove all night long to get to the Field of Dreams game. Oh man! And he works for MLB.com. They couldn't. They couldn't hook him up with what? Rob Manfred's Dive private runner? plane? I guess. Let's see. The closest. They're they're close to Dubuque, Iowa, which is not very big. It's not too far from Chicago and Milwaukee. So I don't know. This is a nightmare. Like I would hate. To, I would not go to this. I would not go. I don't care about movies. I would not go if it was at the real Field of Dreams site either. But I, this is well, not a game I would go to. Well, and even if the Astros were in it, you weren't go. I, I don't know. Like I know that uh, that our favorite angry millennial uh, John Von Tobel got really upset about this on Twitter and talked about their. I have no connection to Field of Dreams. I don't understand. They're not. They're they're trying to market to young people and they're doing this. Well, no, they're they're not. No, like they're... this is not an indictment of MLB's marketing strategy. They're doing a one-off that does appeal to old people like me, and still tries to get money out of them here and now today. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'd go, uh, but I don't think I'm paying a thousand dollars to get in. Next question: J.R. Smith is going to North oh, Carolina A and T. And he wants to try out for the golf team. So J.R. Smith went to the NBA straight out of high school. So he, he didn't go to college. And yesterday when he was talking, he was still kind of questioning, does he have eligibility left? But I am so ready for J.R. Smith to be on the North Carolina A&T golf team. Like, I do not care about college golf, but I am ready for highlights of J.R. Smith playing golf for North Carolina A&T. That's what you're excited about? I'm excited about how many other players are going to be trying to walk on to the North Carolina a t golf team just because of the team parties that J.R. Smith is going to throw. <laughs> Can you imagine how crazy that's going to be? That's going to be awesome. Like, it's going to be way better than any, like, you know, Michael Jordan going to Birmingham and putting out great spreads and buying a bus for the team. Like, this is going to be some serious, serious party animal stuff. I love it. You know what's better for recruiting than a new stadium is J.R. Smith playing for your team. Yes, there, like no group of athletic directors has to study the impact of this. <laughs> you just know that J.R. Smith showing up will improve recruiting. Wow, sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. UNLV and Michigan will tip off at 930 PM. This is the MGM main event tournament. Arizona and Wichita State play the first game at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And then UNLV and Michigan play at 9.30 p.m. following that. The game will be on ESPN, too. So you'll actually get on TV there. Uh, the consolation game, two days later, starts at 9 p.m. So if UNLV does not beat 
Michigan, which will be unlikely, uh, they will be playing 9.30 and 9 p.m. games in Vegas if they win the championship games at 7.30. On top of that, because UNLV football had to move the game against San Diego State off of Saturday with a Raiders home game on Sunday, UNLV and Michigan will tip off at 9.30, one hour after UNLV and San Diego State kick off at Allegiant Stadium at 8.30, the same exact night. That is about as brutal of scheduling for UNLV fans as you could have. How will the thousand people who have both football and basketball season tickets make their decision? They have all tweeted at me, too, to let me know that they have tickets to both. Oh, no. I'm sure they have because those are the ones who really still care about this. Um, Don't you think that for the history of UNLV basketball, don't you think that Juwan Howard should be allowed to play in this game? You know, they should have some form of an alumni game, too. What Wouldn't would, that be far more interesting than whatever say, these two teams are going to put out there? What would get a larger crowd? Some sort of alumni game where, like, Stacey Ogman or Larry Johnson is playing for UNLV and Jawan Howard and, like, does Chris Weber still hate Michigan? Bring him back. Jalen Rose, maybe, to play for Michigan. Like, that's getting a bigger crowd than UNLV Michigan 2021. I don't care if all those guys are 50 years old. I would pay to see that game. I am not paying to go see... UNLV Michigan, the two teams that exist right now because the Rebels are going to get blown out. But uh, I absolutely would pay to see the Fab Five against UNLV's glory team. And you can listen to one of those games right here on ESPN 1100, 100.9 ESPN Las Vegas. Your home for UNLV something? With, with John Sandler and Curtis Terry. Or um, maybe not. Or maybe Russ Langer and... Uh, Caleb Herring calling the game. It just depends on which game you want. There you go. Um, Would you pay to watch 50-year-old Fab Five versus UNLV National Championship team in a cornfield in Iowa? (laughs) I would travel to the cornfield to see the game. Absolutely. And think about the the average uh, Rebel fan. They'd go too. (laughs) Press box. Transition. This was one of my favorite things from yesterday. Joe Lenardi has a bracketology out in August. Oh, it's phenomenal. And to give you a quick breakdown here, Mountain West-wise, two teams in. San Diego State is a 10 seed. Colorado State as an 11 seed. As far as UNLV's schedule goes, if you look at this as sort of a, a way to gauge it, UCLA, who UNLV hosts, would be a one seed. Michigan, who they're going to play at 9.30 p.m., would be a two seed. Nobody else on UNLV's non-conference schedule would be in the NCAA tournament. Wichita State was in the first four out. Arizona in the next four out. Those are they'll play one of those two teams. But uh, I just I love the fact that Joe Lenardi pumps out a bracketology in August. It's it's phenomenal. The scene is an empty campus at St. Joseph's University on a mid-August afternoon. All the professors have gone home. The students have not returned yet. But one man huddled over a gateway laptop. Joe Lunardi is punching numbers into his bracketology, <laughs> hoping against hope that there is a DoorDash driver who can find him holed up in some sort of academic building. I love the entire setup of this. Good on you, Joe Lunardi. Keep us entertained in August. So this isn't even like the first offseason bracketology he did. He, do- he does one right after like the national championship game, which 
I I understand from like a clicks standpoint because we do that in every sport. We do some form of way too early top 25 or here are the odds to win the NBA finals or the Stanley cup next year, because there's an interest in it right then. Oh, the season's over. What about next year? But August 11th, August 12th, we're still a couple of months from the basketball season actually starting is a very weird time to put it out there and a very meaningless time to put it out there. But Hey, every time he does it, I'm here and I am ready to tell you where the mountain West is in Joe Lenardi's bracketology. It's doing God's work, Tyler. I appreciate that about you. Thing is, when you do those way too early rankings that come out like the day after the national championship or the final four or whatever you have, uh, every one of these seasons stretches out four, five, six months, right? In the college or the pros, depending on how long it goes. You've stretched my attention span at that point for caring about that sport as long as I have. And so I don't want to see any of that right after the season. I I want nothing to do with it. I am absolutely ready to switch to the next sport that is going to have my attention. That being said, mid-August, when college football and the NFL are about to start, like I only have so much capacity left in this small brain of mine, and I can't turn it there. I was So I was Control-F trying to find other Mountain West teams, and I couldn't remember all of them. I was like, eh, Nevada's supposed to be good. It took me a while to think of Boise State. Yeah, it, it was it was a struggle. I'm I don't blame you because you're not thinking of most of those teams for football either. <laughs> it wouldn't be on the top of your brain for for those. Did you find San Jose State? Ah, oh, no, I should have. They they might be good at football though. It's a great athletic. No, I meant for for there. no for basketball. That's what I'm saying. Look, San Jose State for football should be at top of mind right now. They are the next four out for the Mountain West tournament. <laughs> happy to move on to the to the next question here aaron udonis haslam signed a one-year deal UD! to come back to the miami heat this is going to be his 19th season with the miami heat he is 41 years old he played in exactly one game last season it's a relatively useless signing but i love the fact that the miami heat are just like yep there is always a roster spot for udonis haslam do you think that Udonis Haslam practices? Do you think that Udonis Haslam just kind of sits on the side and, you know, is slamming cheeseburgers and is like, hey, if y'all need me, let me know. Well, and, and they're sitting there like, Spolster's like, I can't believe we have to keep this guy around. And like, <laughs> Riley's like, yes, you do. You do. Who Who is a better enforcer and intimidator, Udonis Haslam or Ryan Reeves? Stop. Stop with that. Udonis Haslam, 100 out of 100 times. And by the way, the real correct answer to who is the best enforcer is Charles Oakley, of course. Okay. All right. Adam's old and the Knicks fan. Coming up (laughs) next, college football. Can the Pac-12 save the Big 12? The the rules. Kid just goes in and all of a sudden he's out or you can go take him. You know, or your kid comes and goes in and it's not like you can franchise him or something like that and (laughs) keep him. So... And they can like go in and then like come back. So it's, you know, allowing it now that where everybody can just go and play immediately is awesome for the kids, but that's a whole, you know, I don't think it's going to be as great as everybody thinks. And you're going to have a ton of kids, just like we have had uh, hundreds and hundreds of kids that go in with nowhere to go because the numbers don't work right. You know, you lose these kids. They don't give you new spots. You still only have 25 spots. So a school may only have one or two spots to take people, but yet all these kids are leaving thinking they can go somewhere. 
And then when you take them, let's say you take, somebody took 10, now that's only 15 guys out of high school you can take. So that's 10 less high school players getting scholarships just to one program. So I, I think it's going to have some unintended consequences here. So ignoring for a second Lane Kiffin's bad math there, did he want to franchise tag college kids? He's essentially been able to do that for many years, right? They've been able to block <laughs> transfers for the longest of times. They've always had a franchise tag till now. They've always had a franchise tag in college athletics. That's a good way to put it. And they've they've had more than one, too. In the NFL, you can only franchise the one guy. But in college, you could have franchised your whole damn roster. Unlimited. So, yeah, that's pretty good for college coaches there. So in college sports, we have the impending doom of the Big 12 with Texas and Oklahoma leaving for the SEC at some point in the future. But apparently the Big 12 and the Pac-12 have met and have discussed a merger or just a scheduling alliance, one of the two, everything in between there. Um, I guess my question is, like, is there any way, like, the Pac-12 can, like, save the Big 12? Like, is there any way a merger or even if it's just a scheduling alliance, like, does that help either one of these conferences enough? Tyler, I feel like at this point, you basically have the SEC and everyone else, right? And we talk about a power five, but the other power five conferences outside the SEC are essentially just trying to figure out how to be relevant at this point. Um, because if this is all about football, then there's not another conference that can even sniff what the SEC is. It's not close. It really isn't. I mean, by the time that we have Alabama and Georgia and Oklahoma playing in the same conference, that's pretty well it for everybody else. So why not if you're the Pac-12? Why not if you're the Big 12? A strategic alliance, I think, especially in terms of scheduling, I don't know about a super conference, but at least in terms of something to make sure that we are playing high-quality opponents week in and week out, at least giving ourselves a chance to be in an expanded playoff conversation regularly as opposed to seeing five or six SEC teams in there, I think makes all the sense in the world. If you're the Pac-12, wouldn't you be better off just like taking a few schools out of the Big 12, just raiding that conference rather than you know, either taking them all in some sort of super conference or coming up with the scheduling alliance. Like, wouldn't you be better off with, okay, uh, we're going to take Baylor and Oklahoma state, or I guess all the Texas schools act like they want to be together in opposition of Texas. You take all the Texas schools in Oklahoma state. So like, wouldn't the PAC 12, if they're just looking out for themselves, wouldn't that be better than, Oh, now we're also taking on Iowa state and Kansas state. Of course it would, but it takes two to be okay with that. And I don't get the feeling the Big 12 is looking to break up anytime soon. Uh, they seem to at least be putting out all the signals to say, we're going to keep fighting this thing as long as we can. Now, you know, does that turn out to be reality if offers come in from conferences yeah. that make sense? No, who knows? But I, I think it would take the more willingness than we've seen so far from the Big 12 to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, if if the Big 10 today offered whoever, Kansas, and said, hey, you want to join our conference, I have to imagine Kansas saying, yeah, sorry, Big 12, you guys are nice, but we're going somewhere that might actually be around in five years. So, okay, the, the idea that there's a Power 5 and sort of what you're building off of, that it's the SEC and everybody else, it feels like they're, Tier 1 of the Power Conferences is the SEC. Tier 2 at the moment is like the Big 10 and the ACC, and then I don't even know if they're tier three. Maybe if they're, they, you just skip tier three and go to tier four is where the Pac-12 and what's left of the Big 12 would currently remain. I, guess, I mean, I don't know. At the end of the day, 
it kind of sucks that we only have one great conference and two good conferences behind that rather than a solid four or five conferences. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of hate it. Like I kind of hate Texas and Oklahoma leaving. I kind of wish they would just stay in the big 12 and give us some sense of normalcy. I, I sound like I'm you hearkening back for Charles Oakley, but I kind of wish we could go back to how conferences were split up 15 years ago and not what we have in the next five years. Bring back the yes. big sky. I mean, the big sky never went anywhere, but okay. Uh, the the comparison, by the way, is certainly apples to apples of Charles Oakley versus conferences of old days. <laughs> Not, nicely done. Um, no, I mean, well, Texas and Oklahoma leaving, I don't think takes you any farther away from the comparison you just made because... It's not like the Big 12 has been a highly relevant conference since Texas sucks, right? It's been a long time since Texas was relevant in the way that it was in the Vince Young years even. So now we look at Texas and say, yeah, maybe they'll figure it out at some point. But Texas in in a lot of ways is what like a a, a rich man's Auburn right now in terms of football. Like, like they they certainly can be better than they are. And they're going to a conference where I think they're going to have to be better in order to be mildly competitive. So I think your tiers would then go SEC, and then I think Big 12, Big 10, ACC would all be together in that second tier. And then the Pac-12 would be somewhere out in tier three or tier four. And look, that's not just about the quality of the teams. That's also about the media deal. That's also about exposure. Larry Scott set this conference back a decade with the awful Pac-12 network situation and and their exposure nationwide. So what happened last year, being able to play Pac games at noon on on a Saturday or noon even on a Sunday, or that was what could be done to make them a more relevant conference, at least nationally. Speaking of networks, do do we know what's happening in the Longhorn, Longhorn Network when they join the SEC? It's going away. It is? Okay. I, yeah, I, they're getting rid of it. Oh, wow. Texas getting rid of their own network to join the SEC. Man. That's how much money is yeah. available in the <laughs> yeah. SEC. That's pretty impressive. Like Notre Dame's been holding out here because yeah, they have their own TV deal with NBC. Why would they need to do anything else? And Texas, the only other program that's sort of in a similar situation because they had the Longhorn Network. Yeah, they'll give it up to join the SEC. Yeah, okay. The SEC. Yeah, they're going to take over. When are they going to break off? Who else do they need to add? Ohio State, Michigan, Miami, Clemson. And then they can just leave themselves and do their own do their own league, Super League. Uh, Michigan is flattered to be involved in That's that uh, football That's, discussion right now. That was, a little, that was a little nice to Michigan. You're right. You're right. Just Ohio State and Clemson, and they'll be fine. They don't need anybody else. Just those two. Super League, everything's great. All right, coming up next, Darren Millard joins the show. Joining us now is Darren Millard. Are you back? Are you out of Tokyo? I'm, I'm back. Oh. Yes. Look at you. Wait, in. Are you in are, are you in Vegas or are you in Canada? Vegas. Okay. He's back yeah. in Vegas. Have you eaten yeah. at a seven eleven here in Vegas? I've 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 not been to a convenience <laughs> store since I returned. Uh I did yeah, I stopped the car, but I didn't go inside. So uh yeah. It just it'll it'll pale to uh co- compared to uh to what I had in uh, in, in Tokyo. But no no, the uh, the flight was good. Everything was uh was without incident, which was um, kind of a nice change of pace. So, okay, give us your your best. What was the best moment for you in Tokyo from what you were calling? Oh, I well, um, 
I, I like watching the uh, the progress of the women's water polo, the American team, uh, who went in as heavy, heavy, heavy favorites, hadn't lost since 2008, uh, and and lost actually in the in the preliminary play, the group play, and had to fight back, and were in a big hole in the in the semifinal, and managed to uh, to grind out a third straight gold medal. To, they they are as dominant of an Olympic uh, team in any sport. Uh, right now, uh, basketball or, or men's uh, hockey with uh, with in Canada, they they are just uh, on top of the game and that much better than everybody else. And but this one, they they had to grind through it a, a little bit, and that was that was fun to watch. There's uh, a couple of cool storylines on on that team, and including their head coach. So uh, I was uh, I was really impressed by the uh, the American women. Darren, you said without incident for your travel home from Tokyo. What sort of incidents were you dealing with in Tokyo? Oh, Adam wasn't here for your staying at the hotel story. Go, go ahead. Yeah, start the airport yeah. story. So, I mean, uh, go ahead. When I, when I arrived in Tokyo, uh, Adam, uh, there was uh, a box on your form to get into the country, and it checked off nasal or uh, saliva test uh, for COVID because you had to have like a bunch of tests and then they have a doctor signature and all that kind of stuff. So that was left blank by just no, just uh, it was missed by by uh, uh, the the doctor. So uh, we, because my the tests don't actually say it, the test results. Uh, I had to wait for a medical uh, paperwork to come in, and I had to stay in an airport hotel the first night that I got there. And I had two people waiting outside my room all night watching to make sure that I didn't make a break for it. So and and I would uh, I, I told the guys this, I I would open the door every now and then just to see if like they were really still there. And I wasn't probably in the best of moods at that time either. So uh, I would open it and they would turn around and go, no. And they would uh, chase me back into my room. So that, uh, that, was, that was my arrival. But the, but the next day I got my paperwork from, uh, from Spain, from the uh, Olympic Broadcast Services, and got into the country uh, at that point uh, was good. So wait a second. That's not how the Golden Knights treat you, on the, uh, if, you if you ever travel <laughs> with the team? <laughs> No, I, I, I thought your reputation trip. preceded you. <laughs> well, maybe maybe it did, and that's why they uh, they wanted yeah. to kept uh, kept in in my room. It's funny because when I when I left uh, when I flew back home, I was walking around the airport because I got to Haneda Airport uh, a little bit early, which is like the second best airport in the world. Uh, I found out, and I was walking around and I found that uh, that hotel, and I just walked up and said hello to the uh, the front desk, and as as a free person, as a person that could roam. Because I actually had security people walk me to the hotel and check me in and and have to pick me up the next day and take me to the uh, to the arrival place. And when you when you went into Tokyo or uh, to Japan, you had to go through like it was probably five hours from the point where I got through with my test results being approved, and probably uh, five hours and seven or eight different layers. Of security or testing uh, and so forth, so uh, they did. Uh, they were very vigilant uh, in their uh, their efforts to keep the uh, the virus out of uh, Japan. Uh, did you eat something that wasn't from a Seven Eleven convenience store? Uh, yes, but it was from a different convenience store. <laughs> no, I did. I, I had a pizza one night, uh, but it was at the IBC. Uh, but that was. That was the only real, and then I went to a grocery store. I found a grocery store the last couple of nights uh, that was that was pretty good. Found a good coffee shop the last week uh, for breakfast, uh, but that was uh, yeah. It was it was uh, 
I did not have a meal. This is, I'll put it in perspective for you. I did not have a meal that didn't require, that didn't include a plastic cutlery the entire time I was there. That was uh, uh, either either disposable chopsticks or uh, plastic cutlery. That was my uh, the the extent of my uh, eating out. But I did uh, like we we got to go out a couple of times uh, in the last week and uh, and see a couple of temples and a couple of districts uh, uh, that had some cool shops and and very uh, got to see uh, the arcade district which wasn't high on my priority list, but the people I was with uh, loved it. And, and we got to see, it was just a, an interesting part of uh, Tokyo, which I'm, I'm so thankful that we got to see. So basically you ate on the Jared plan the whole time you were there. Everything oh, was yeah, with yeah, disposable cutlery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jared, Jared hasn't had a, a, a piece of legitimate cutlery in his hand since <laughs> I'm going to guess 2003. Like, since I, the last time I, he was I'll, kicked out of a Waffle House, yeah. Yeah, how wrong am I on that? Well, okay, Darren, just so you know, at the moment, Jared has a giant, like, pink mark on his hand because he spilt boiling water on himself and burnt himself. Really? Yeah. uh, Do you burn boiling water? Are you that much of a, a novice when it comes to cooking? No, but I apparently can't walk with it. Hey, when was the last time you had a, a beverage, a, a water or anything, that, that you didn't have to pop the top of the can off of? <laughs> like, when was the last time you had a, drink, a beverage that didn't come in that? Literally having drinking water right now. That's okay. That's, but that's about it, right? No, I'm just, you know, got a giant burn mark. I got to stay hydrated. <laughs> What do you mean? The giant burn mark takes care of your hydrate, like hydration takes care of that. That's I, the Jared plan. Yeah, yes, that's his plan. Like, he, that, yeah, that, that's healthcare in the Jared yes. world. He keeps his that's hand right. elevated because it feels better when it's up by his head, and he drinks water. Forget gauze. Just, just uh, have a have a couple of sips of water. He didn't even that's have it wrapped until today. He was just walking around with this burnout for the last three days, and I was like, "Jared, wrap the damn thing." He's finally got it wrapped with like a handkerchief or something. The internet is very split on what you're supposed to do. You're either supposed to keep it wet or dry, depending on which website I go to. Um, which website did you go to? I think it was like Healthline.com and WebMD. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Like the the web is the worst thing to ever do if you get hurt. That's the worst thing. You, they, if you get hurt, they should automatically suspend all your uh, internet privileges because that just takes you down a rabbit hole like no other. Heaven forbid if you have something like you, you think is is beyond uh, a little burn. That's a bad place to go. Terrible place to go. What's going on around town? Uh, give me give me the four one one on uh, what's happening. I went to a soccer game where the United States beat Mexico here, and it was great. I heard that was nasty. No, it was fine with me. I would. I had surprisingly pleasant Mexican national team fans around me. Yeah. No, I was talking about the play. Like, it was uh, pretty intense. Oh, well, yeah. One guy got kicked in the face, and they didn't give a red card <laughs> to the guy that kicked him in the face. Yeah. It's, it's United States-Mexico. It happens. It was, it was of the two games the U.S. and Mexico played this year, it was the tamest. Really? Yeah, they played in Denver like three months ago, and it was it was much worse in Denver. Wow. Um, so, um, so, 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 go ahead, Darren. I was just gonna ask, uh, what uh, it was that Concacaf playdowns? Yes, it was. Yeah, Concacaf Gold Cup, and that's all. All Concacaf games are a nightmare because all the teams yeah. are a nightmare in this part of the world. 
Well, the the only other the only other notable thing going on uh, around town, Darren, hasn't necessarily been in town. It's been Robin Lehner's Twitter. Uh, Robin's Robin's been really busy on social media uh, the last few days. I feel like we we have to get used to a goalie who has maybe the completely opposite personality in terms of feistiness and uh, not going to say combativeness, but certainly engagement uh, from Mark Andre Fleury. I, I think that it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, you're right. It's different, but it's also um, I, I wouldn't. Uh, Say that it's a negative. Some people will say, "Just don't get engaged, don't uh, don't respond." But but I like somebody that uh, that stands uh, that up for themselves and and and, and sort of takes a, a proactive uh, position for it. And and he he represents so many different layers. Uh, it, it it runs so deep with with Robin Leonard that uh, that I think that he feels a certain responsibility to to make sure that uh, that that message is getting across not for himself uh, just individually but also for the different uh, areas that that he feels he represents and, and carries a flag for so uh, I, I agree with you I think it will be a, a place uh, that we go to uh, after games uh, when when they play. Uh, uh, before he speaks to the media, uh, we'll be checking Robin Leonard's Twitter account or, or just randomly during the course of uh, uh, a road trip. It's the four hours before the game. We've got to check his likes on Twitter to see what he's scrolling through and liking before the game to get himself motivated. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a heads up on, on the fact that I will not be doing that at any point, uh, <laughs> scrolling through his Twitter account to see what he's liking. That's uh, uh, I, I'd like to think that I've got uh, a few more pressing issues uh, in, in my life uh, beyond just that. All right. So when Robin Leonard got his second start in the playoffs and he told us mm-hmm. afterwards that he scrolled through Twitter reading all the hate comments about him, yeah. let's just say some point during this season, Robin Leonard has like a bad stretch for six or seven games. Do you think they'll ever be, hey, Golden Knights people, we need to start sending out really nasty tweets about Robin Leonard to get his play turned around? Uh-huh. <laughs> like the reverse psychology, yes. Reverse motivation. Uh, be- no, um, no, I, I don't anticipate uh, that happening. Um, I think that uh, that the coaching staff uh, is experienced enough that they've got uh, uh, more traditional ways to, to motivate their athletes. But that's a, that's a, a good thought, though. It may may work on on your like ten uh, year old or something like that. Where you say, uh, yeah, no, you can really do that, and and uh, when you don't want them to do it, but I don't, I don't think it works on a professional athlete hold in on. that regard. Okay, hold on, hold on. I don't ever plan on having kids, but was your parenting Thank advice? Goodness to, for that. Was your parenting advice to subtweet ten-year-olds? Uh, not on Twitter, just more of the reverse psychology oh, okay. part. Of okay. No. Once you just subtweet no. them in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what I'm watching right now. And uh, I'll give you the uh, uh, sort of the, the flabbergast part of my thing. Uh, I sat down, and my wife and I turned on the TV, and uh, it's the Little League World Series. And we're watching it. It's just random uh, Nebraska and Sioux Falls. And then I realized it's not even a Little League World Series. It's the Midwest Regional Double Elimination Playdown, and it's on ESPN. Yeah. When did, like, when did like, 12-year-olds, or whatever, it's a Little League World Series, 12, 13, uh, how old was Danny Monty? Uh, Twenty-one. Yep. Uh, the, when did the, the Midwest Regional start being on national television? It's August twelfth. It's eight forty-five p.m. or a.m. Excuse me, in the Pacific time zone. What else do you want ESPN to put on? 
I I don't know, but just uh, this is amazing, and it's like the the production, the full on production, it's incredible that uh, that these kids are on, on on national television. And what I can't get through my mind, uh, out of my mind, is how tiny the mound is. Like it's this little <laughs> wee little. Uh, They're children. I know, but it just it's 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 just funny that. Uh, that, that's my day right now. Uh, you guys want to come over and hang out because it's I got a lot happening raw over here right now. Oh, Adam, what's that? Are you are you there for the whole summer? For the whole summer, I I I've been lived in Vegas for more than the summer. No, I yeah. think he means on the show. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for I'm translating. Having, having some fun, just having some fun with the whole thing. Uh, no, uh, Ed Graney spends most of his summer hanging out in the parking lot in Henderson. And so, uh, while, while Ed's in uh, Ed's in parking lots, they bring me in. Uh, are you talking about over at Raiders? Yes. Well, sometimes what? they let him into practice, and sometimes they just keep Lock him in the parking out. lot. Yeah. yeah. What would um, would it be fun to have a an Ed Cam on when he's not allowed in when when he doesn't get in? Like, how much uh, like a tantrum do you think Ed would really throw? A tantrum? Oh, it's Ed yeah. Graney. He just gets in, doesn't he? I mean, if, yeah. if Ed no, Graney doesn't the, get in, nobody gets in. It's not like just Ed's out. If It'd be everybody's no. out. Yeah, everybody's out. But yeah. uh, but I'm sure there's some disappointment that, uh, that, that, nobody, else can, that nobody can get in uh, on those well, days. Well, I just like, well, I like look, to think that, that Ed's got the, like, the cool simmer going on. It's not a full-fledged tantrum, but it's a cool, fun simmer. I don't think it ever gets to do you know who I am, right? I don't think it ever gets uh, I don't think it ever gets that far because I think the the response to that is no, no, exactly. We know who you are. That's why you're not getting in. Yeah, that's why you're not getting in. All right, Darren. The- get out. You always okay. do this. You always keep talking to us and it's good, but we got to take a break. We got But I want to know next time I want to know the coolest place that you guys have been kicked out of. All right, uh, Jared's is a Waffle House, but we will come Two up with of them. good answers for that. <laughs> and also, that's not the coolest place okay, I've ever kicked out of. Okay, just the most common. All right, uh, get out of here. Go <laughs> sub, go Bye. subtweet some of these 10-year-olds playing baseball in Sioux Falls. Meanie. Bye. All right, coming up next, guess what? Our sharp one again. He's going for 15 today. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Steven is going for 15. The Brewers won yesterday. Corbin Burns had 15 strikeouts. Um, If he gets to 15, he's going to win all three prizes that we have here. It's Antonio Brown, Raiders jersey, some Raider rusher socks, and a press box t-shirt so steven number 15 where would you like to go i'm gonna go all the way to the national rugby league oh boy i know nothing about this but okay i'm i'm all ears we're gonna take the uh penrith panthers to beat the saint george dragon the what panthers penrith 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 panthers okay so the penrith panthers are playing today, or technically it starts at 1 a.m. Pacific time. Okay, the Penrith Panthers are your pick. We have them in. Uh, can you humor us? Like, how big of a favorite are they? Uh, they're only 22-point favorite. Only 22-point favorites. I don't know how scoring in rugby works, because that could be a lot or not much at all. So the Penrith Panthers, good luck, Stephen. If you win that, you will get all three prizes, and we'll be talking to you again tomorrow. So good luck. All right, thank you. Have a good day, guys. Oh. <sighs> That's incredible. Penrith Panthers. 
What a pick. National Rugby League. I love it. It's great. All right, Adam, you're our resident referee, and I need some help from you here. First off, Little League World Series. Well, we're not in the Little League World Series, as Darren Millar just explained to us. But we had a video tweeted out yesterday of a Little Leaguer in disbelief at a bad call by a home plate umpire. A ball that nearly bounced into the catcher was called a strike, and he just the kid just sort of stands there with his mouth open, completely amazed that that pitch got called for a strike. Um, have you ever umpired Little League Baseball? It was the very first thing that I did. Oh, exciting. Okay, so what was your strike zone like for Little League Baseball? Uh, my strike zone was actually entirely too tight in the minds <laughs> of most of the <laughs> managers in the Paradise Valley Little League. You were holding them to the strict Major League Baseball home, uh, home plate zone? Is that that's what they had to hit? They were they were getting squeezed in their minds, uh, and and I think they were very used to uh, guys who just wanted to get out of there. And I was uh, I was attempting to do the job I was hired to do. So how how big should a little league strike zone be? Uh, it should grow with the temperature in Las Vegas. Like ultimately, <laughs> if if it's 110 degrees out, that strike zone better be wide because it is a safety issue. It's a safety, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know. Is that what you tell the other team's managers who's hitting? Yeah, we know that bounced in three times. But look at your thermometer. We got to get the hell out of here. Look, look at your third baseman. He's fallen <laughs> over. <laughs> okay, another little league baseball question for you because that Nebraska South Dakota game that Darren Millard was watching is on our TV here in the studio. And about an inning ago, the home plate umpire ran away behind defense to go look at a monitor because there was a replay review of a play at second base. How do you feel about replay review in the Little League World Series? And again, as Darren Millard said, not even the Little League World Series, the Midwest regional final to get to the Little League World Series. Here's an important fact you need to know about all the umpires that you're watching on TV, whether it's the regionals or whether it's the World Series. They're all volunteers. Like, none of these guys are getting paid. So, like, they are theoretically the best of who you have available for volunteers. But if they need a little help and they want to make sure it gets right for these kids, because really, the Little League World Series is a one-shot deal, right? Like, these kids are going to be 11, 12 years old only one time. They're only going to get to make this run once. And I've covered the Little League uh, regionals down in San Bernardino when we've had some of the local teams down there this is like the experience of a lifetime for these kids so if they want to get it right with some replay for the volunteer umpires go for it okay i'm on board with it too i just thought it was bizarre to see it also they showed the replay like challenge rules a team has unlimited challenges if they're right now if they miss one they still get to keep challenging until they miss two so like there could be a lot of challenges in these little league games. Like it's not like at the NFL where you get one or two or like other sports where you get one or two, like there can be an unlimited amount of challenges here. If you keep getting them right. Well, unlimited until you get one wrong should be how all of it works. Yeah. But then even if you get one wrong, you get to keep going until you get a second one wrong. No, I'm just saying in, in terms of the pros, yes. the idea that you only get the challenge twice. is silly. <laughs> if the refs miss 17 calls against you, you should get to challenge all of them.